Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Andrew. Hey, this is Josh. We will be chatting about the week starting Friday, September 3rd. And we were just chatting about all kinds of stuff we don't want to talk yeah. about on the air. No, so now only we'll talk positive about stuff. Nice, happy things. Yeah, it was a busy week. More than a week. Yeah, like, well, first of all, the Green Knight thing, where we didn't know what the movie was going to be. And I was like, ha, ah, it'll be Green Knight. Ha, ha, ha. So funny. And then it was. That was and, like, so funny. We found out literally right after we wrapped the podcast. So you yeah, were like, Andrew, we were... We were talking about how we were recording a bit early just due to scheduling. And, and it was before the Green Knight was Before worked. the Green Knight got yeah. booked. And I was just talking about, hopefully in a nice non-whining way, about people ask for movies, people request movies, and we're always in the same spot of just kind of a shrug and a, yeah, we like don't we know. Hope so. Yeah. so we used Green Knight as an example, finished the podcast, Eric was leaving, I looked at my phone, and it was an email from Lee saying we just booked the Green Knight. I was like, that could have been yeah. timed better, or worse. unbelievable. Yeah. So at least we talked about it, so... It still counts. We talked about it in the podcast, and then we end up playing it, and now we're holding it over for a second week. Man. So we have an extra excuse to talk about it, so... Yeah, that really worked out well. And yeah, and then I hosted uh, Cinema, which was a sellout. It was Packed. Andrew was yeah. here. Yeah, and like people were, he even brought the movie. So I mean, he was very, very important that Andrew was here. If it wasn't for me, yeah, nothing would happen. <laughs> that was funny too because we kind of forgot to talk about cinema, although we talked about cinema, mm. and then we had one. It's kind of our last holdover of the midnight show at the moment because we, I mean, we could, but we can't really do the room. We can't really do Rocky Horror. Mm-hmm. We have kind of an idea for Rocky Horror coming up, but we can't do traditional Rocky Horror at the moment involving people running from the audience and sitting on your lap and dancing with you and throwing things and spanking and all that kind of stuff right so cinema's doing very well every time mm-hmm. we do it so yeah it's kind of it's, it's yeah it, it's caught on really because yeah. we've been doing it for a long time even pre-mayfair when we were doing it at club saw oh, yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah so it's been going on for years and years and like i guess it being a secret, like a surprise, is not that old. Yeah. Because originally we would say what the movie was. Yeah, I remember seeing it at Zaphod's. I think it counted as a cinema, and it was the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, Lee used to host that at uh, Zaphod's. Which was yeah. a million years ago. That was like before YouTube, I think. Yeah, an endurance test of its own. You know, But it would be different with a crowd, actually. I mean, that, that would be more fun. Yeah, and at the time, there was no easy way to see that so it was quite fun so now our cinemas it's this ongoing battle of telling people don't take a picture of the screen yeah don't talk about it don't tag us i mean i totally expect you to talk about it with your friends or say you had a great time but there is no reason to go on and tag us and say what the movie is (laughs) the whole shtick is that it is a private function. No one's paying for a ticket. Yeah. And that's why we kind of get away with screening these weird old movies. Mm-hmm. So most people get it, but even on Twitter, people are talking and starting to talk about plot points, and I just do the old <laughs> smiley face of, okay, nerds, stop talking about yeah. this now. Man, and it's it's so funny. Like, Andrew, we, we both had to turn a couple people away, which, like, literally broke my heart because I, I knew it was going to be good, and you don't want to yeah. be like, so I'm just like, uh, it'll suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and so, but every, they want to know what it is, you know, and they're like, well, I'm missing it. Can I at least know what it was so that I can feel like I was part of it? And so, like, you know, we told them, like, on the slime, it's like, don't talk about what it is, whatever. And so, like, Andrew didn't realize I had the door of the box office open, and he told the guy what yeah. it was. And yeah. then the candy bar line was up the stairs, and I was like, Andrew, spoiler. And he was <laughs> like, but, but, oh, God. And he felt the, like, the oh, title God. is obscure enough yeah. that I don't, because it, it's a movie without saying what it is. It's yeah. a movie that has, like, 
three different cuts, three different titles. Mm-hmm. So not really a spoiler, but probably many people in line had yeah, no concept no, of it before. I don't yeah. even think they noticed that he was talking. Like it was, they were in their own world. But I just thought it was hilarious that we all try to be so secret and whatever. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, it's this," and I was like, "The door's open." Like I never heard of the movie until you guys brought it up to me. A couple weeks ago or yeah, whatever. So. Just, well, not I was going to say bragging about it. No, just like ranting about it and being like, Josh, you got to watch, you got to watch. But Lee jokes about it. He's like, let's just not advertise movies all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We might kick it up a notch. We did it a little while in the in-between times of trying it a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a pain for scheduling, but now, as I joked with Andrew, I'm like, well, you live nearby. You're going to get <laughs> yeah. suckered with these midnight ones yeah. now. But and it was a, literally a midnight show because, I mean, sometimes yes. cinema's like 11, 11.30, but this one literally was midnight, yeah. which was, it was cool, but it was funny too because, like, for me, it was just like a specter hanging over the day the whole day because I'm, like, yeah. getting up at 11 and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be presenting that in, like, 11 hours or something insane. It would never happen, but imagine you're, like, introducing the movie and you say it's this movie and 75 people are just like boo yeah i, I always were a couple walkouts yeah I, or a few I, I it's always hard to tell if they're just going to the bathroom mm-hmm. or if they're just like because i was like okay and i, and I thought I, I like i could be totally imagining this but i thought that there was someone walked out in disgust like was like was like screw this or something and i was like did i imagine that because it just it was like about midway through the movie and it, you know but it's like a dumb movie like it's not there was nothing what I would call offensive in it. It's just silly. But people laugh, and I was like, was it, are they offended? And then it's like, isn't that a good thing in a way? Like, is that like a point of pride? <laughs> well, it's if like when John, John Waters says, when people throw up or walk out, it's <laughs> yeah. a standing, he considers it a standing ovation. I kind of thought that because I was like right near the, and I, again, I, I might've just, maybe they just went to the bathroom and I, I just heard in my head them disgusted, but I'm like, wouldn't it be, because it was like 45 minutes into the movie. I'm like, wait, all that other crap was okay. And then this pushed you over the edge, but that happens in any genre though like in recent movies stuff like pig yeah or you the, know. the kitchen was that the one that, was, that the had... kitchen yeah which i really liked based on a comic book just a cool female empowerment gangster movie mm-hmm. kind of and yeah some people walked out and i don't know if it's purely people not giving the tiniest bit of research and going Oh, it's a Melissa McCarthy movie. It's going to be like Bridesmaids, which is a bad example because that grossed out a ton of people too. Yeah. But yeah, I remember Birdman, which, you know, so acclaimed, won all the awards, big financial hit, and some people walking out of that mad. And part of me was like, did you think this was going to be a superhero movie? <laughs> or is it you just thought it was going to be a bit more mainstream and yeah. any, any step away? Or very offensive reasons to walk out. And it doesn't happen often because we have good patrons, but... Every once in a while, we're showing, like, a gay-themed romance. And you'll see, like, an old couple walk out halfway through. And I'm just there with my arms crossed being like, you're walking out for horrible reasons. Yeah, especially, yeah, during, like, a a same-sex kiss or something like that. Exactly. You're like, like, really? Like, you could, because there was probably, like, someone getting shot or something in the same movie. And you're like, ah, this is fine. Well, I think Lee told me that when he, we showed Crash not that long ago. And when he went and saw it, like, when it came out in, like, 96, I think he said, like, what people in the audience found like most offensive or uncomfortable to them was the sex scene between Elias Coteas and James Spader. Yeah. Right. Everything else, all the, the <laughs> wounds and the car crash gore and whatever Man. was it's, fine. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, that's an ongoing thing in censorship or ratings boards in general is they're totally fine with brutal violence. But then it's like, Oh, if she takes off her top, that's not nice. You know, yeah. it's like 
And there's a few really good documentaries about it where they talk about skirting the system where, you know, Scorsese will film something just brutally violent, knowing he can take it down a notch and that's where he really wants to be. Or, like, I've heard stuff from the South Park guys where, for their movie, they would just basically get back a cut and they'd say, take out all this stuff. And they'd go, okay. And they would just resubmit it without anything taken out. (laughs) And the powers that be assumed they followed the rules and it all made it to the big screen. Man. So there's all stuff like that. But yeah, that, that's why I really like that we live in this Wild West of no ratings at the moment where on the marquee every once in a while, even like mainstream stuff, like I think right now, like I Carry You With Me is unrated. And it's just a movie, but yeah. it's just unrated because nothing in Ontario is getting rated anymore. So you see that. I think Roadrunner, the documentary, was the same way. So that doesn't mean they're unrated in the sense of X-rated or whatever. It just means... Well, do a little bit of research because... Uh, well, ratings are kind of like asinine anyways. I like, think they're on their way out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's more... They're just numbers and letters, right? Like, it, it's all relative. It doesn't really make sense that one movie, you know, a gory horror film gets an R rating and then, like, I don't know, a movie that has a couple F words gets the same rating. Yeah, and if you're a parent coming to a retro cinema and you're looking at a couple of options and you're like, okay, am I going to bring my 12-year-old to... Ferris Bueller or Pee Wee Herman Mm -hmm. or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. You're probably savvy enough to be like, well, maybe not Texas Chainsaw. But if you have a 13 or 14 year old and it's a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street or Fright Night or something, Mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world. It's all different. Like I had a a parent phone recently, might have been for Creep Show or something. And they said, hey, can I bring my 14 year old to an R rated movie? And I said, well, long story short, but yes, because yeah. we have no ratings board at the moment. But usually 18A means a parent could bring somebody under 18. Yeah. But I told him, I said, yeah, for the time being, you do whatever you want because yeah. there's no rules. Yeah. And even if it was a hard R, it's not like you're going to tell that parent they can't come in legally or something. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure what the line is, but that, and I, like, it also depends totally on, like, sort of, I was, uh, I was helping Leo with his movie recently and I met like, well, and I was listening to the, the other podcast actually, where he mentioned uh, a 12 year old director, you know, writer guy. And, uh, and so I actually met him as well. And it was just so, is this 12 year old kid, like just, I met him all too. These, yeah. It's so, he's so inspiring. Like, I'm like, I'm over three times your age and you have more drive than yeah. most people I know. <laughs> But it's so funny because talking to him, he's where I was at when I was like 16, 17, 19, trying to find the goriest stuff. And he's 12. And his parents are, you know, some stuff they're like, okay, not that, not this. But he's, he's seen Evil Dead, Texas Chainsaw, all this stuff. But he, he's also, you know, he makes movies and he knows Lee. And so I always find that fascinating. This where it's like when you know it's fake, how damaging is that, if at all? You know, because it's like, you know, it's not real. You're just, you're like, oh, how can I do that? How can I make a movie in such a way, you know? And, and I mean, I don't think I would show my 12-year-old a lot of that stuff, but I don't have a 12-year-old. So like, I watched a Hitchcock documentary just recently, and it was a clip of him, of course, way back when, like 1960 or something like that. And he was just giving an interview to somebody trying to stick it to him, saying like, oh, these groups are after you and saying you're too violent. And this sounds like a made-up story, but it could be true, you know. But he said, he said, oh, I was at some event and a younger child came up to me and she said, what did you use for the blood in the shower scene? And he said, I used chocolate syrup. And she went, oh, interesting, and walked away. So this kid knew it was fake, wasn't scared, and asked the question knowingly, what did you use? 
So that's just a young kid who's interested in film. Mm-hmm. That's like kids or grown-ups. Like there's some kids who can watch anything and some grown-ups who don't like scary movies. So it all depends. I've never had a problem with scary movies. I love scary movies, but some kids early on, I'll never forget being at like a birthday party with a group of kids. And it must've been young, like four or five. And we were all going to see E.T. And so it was like half a dozen kids going to see E.T. And then going back to someone's house to like eat pizza. And there was a little girl in the group and the scary moments of kind of the men in black showing up at mm-hmm. E.T.'s house or at the E.T.'s human's house or when E.T. seems to be near death and it's really emotional. This kid lost it. Like this kid did not do well <laughs> and had to leave the cinema with one of the grownups and all this kind of stuff. And meanwhile, the other kids are just like watching a movie. Yeah. And I just imagine that poor kid just had their summer ruined and was just emotionally rot. And that was their first learning about death or something, you know. So it's all different. It all it all depends on the person, but I'm never too scared about telling a parent that they could bring in their kid to an R-rated movie. Yeah, it's not, you know, even Flight of the Navigator kind of freaked me out when I was pretty young. I'm not sure if it's just like a nostalgia lens or whatever, but it feels like some of those 80s-ish, you know, family oh, movies yes. were a bit creepier, like... No, hands down, the 80s were a different level of kid movie. Yeah. Because you think of how disturbing some stuff is in... Dark Crystal, Neverending Story, Labyrinth. It's just the way Goonies is filled with kids swearing through the whole thing. It, it was a very, like, compare any of those movies to good kid movies now. But that's how kids really talk. Exactly. So it yes. was kind of, refle- <laughs> it was reflecting that. Yeah. Reflecting reality a little bit. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like, I've, I mean, I, of course, I didn't talk like that, but you Never. know, all, the, all <laughs> sure. the other kids. I know it's kind of not forgotten, but it's not quite on the same level as Goonies. But I love Monster Squad Mm -hmm. because I was that exact right age thinking about these kids having this adventure, hanging out in a treehouse and doing all the cool horror movie stuff and wanting to make horror movies. So I love that kind of stuff. And and I'm sure kids have that same. Some kid today will watch a movie like Goosebumps or something and Mm -hmm. feel the same way about it. But yeah, 80s were definitely a little bit heavier, especially like people talk about stuff like Never Ending Story, I think specifically has a couple of stuff that freaks kids out mm-hmm. or return to oz that whole thing or like how howard the duck was like a pg movie yeah and you watch it now and you're like wow you guys didn't even bother to really think over this rating no even who framed roger rabbit's pretty freaky like with the the bad guy there yeah you know, all that stuff at the end is like i mean it's a funny movie and like i don't know if i'd say it scared me as a kid but definitely like it gets creepy but near the end there yeah and then we lived i grew up in the age of i didn't have it but my friend had cable and at the time that's a whole different thing it was basic tv where you had 12 channels or cable where it was like hbo type Every stuff channel. what was what was canadian hbo uh first choice first choice yeah yeah because they had t- i remember my friend having movie picks you know in yeah. high school like tmn well it was it was first choice and then i think they became the movie network oh, yeah yeah that's right and then movie picks was like the classic arm they'd show yeah. the you know the godfather and all that and also and then later at night they because i remember seeing like leviathan and stuff like that yeah. you know just like crappy 80s deep sci-fi. star six yeah exactly, like stuff like that where you're like okay these aren't so much classics but i'm loving them what was the one with joe piscopo <laughs> oh, and our friend Trent Dead williams uh, Dead Dead yes. I, remember watching that. That. I think once. i think so yeah. yeah i remember watching that when i was too young to watch it you know sitting at a friend's house yeah and parents not paying attention or watching this movie that was on at like two in the afternoon and instead of being out in the great outdoors in summertime, we were sitting inside and watching cable. And that movie, I think, is more or less harmless, but it's got some zombies. It's got some 80s violence. It's like Lethal Weapon meets uh, 
Night of the Creeps or yeah, something? Yeah, the Creeps or something. <laughs> yeah. I rented that when I was a kid, just seeing the cover, which yeah. just has Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams holding guns, and there's like an explosion. I thought, okay, it's a funny <laughs> cop movie. Yeah. I didn't know it had like a horror. It was like a horror movie, basically, yeah. until I watched it. Yeah. And then, you know, with all the zombies and everything, I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. No, that made me even more excited after that. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty sweet. I love that era of weird 80s movies. We still have weird movies for sure, but there was something about that era of kind of... A lot of that stuff was almost straight to video. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, there's a, uh, a few Twitter sites I'd like to follow that just have cool old retro stuff. And one of them recently posted a newspaper clipping from a movie called Cocaine Wars. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. One of the Dukes of Hazard, John Schneider. John Schneider, yeah. And But my reaction was... This got a theatrical release? Yeah. Like, holy yeah. cow. I totally assumed it was just, like, released on VHS in gas stations, you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I watched that a couple of years ago. I, didn't, it, didn't it get a Blu-ray, like, not that long ago? Pretty recently, yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah, I think I watched that Blu-ray, and I was just like, man, this looks good. It <laughs> might be on Prime for all I know. I think it's on one of the streaming. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, like, I mean, I'm not recommending it. Is it, is it like, a mercenary kind yeah. of thing? Like that, yeah. yeah. Like Rambo wannabe yeah, it's Rambo like, ripoff. Yeah, Strike Commando ripoff, almost. More like, strike like, Commando. It's not good enough to be a Rambo ripoff. So what did you do on Lee's thing? Were you holding the boom? I literally was. Like that's so, that's so funny. Like I'm my like, favorite job. You know, well, he asked me to do it, and I was working. Then he asked Josh. I think <laughs> I knew it because I was like, I'm the last line of defense. I know <laughs> he didn't say it, but I was like, there's no way he's asking me because he he literally just texted like, I need someone to do sound, and I thought of you, which is so funny because I was like, you definitely thought of other people. But... No, you were the first choice, <laughs> and he just literally was just like, just to do sound, and I thought of you, and that was it. He wasn't like, this is what it entails. Have you ever done this before? Nothing like that. Just yeah. like. Thought of you. Ah, uh, you can do it. Yeah, and, and I was like, I can figure it out. Like, that's, gor- sure. that's classic guerrilla filmmaking. Oh, like, yeah. Ah, you know how to, like, I think Roger Corman was like that. Like, I don't know how to edit a movie. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. Just sit down and figure it out. And that's how, I've, you know, I've done, I've recorded audio. I've done, like, I have long arms. Like, I think it was the yeah. wingspan <laughs> is what tall. he was looking for. Because I was yeah. like, I even You're said a human to, boom. Yeah, I said to my wife, I was like, I imagine it's going to be a lot of this. And I'm like, just holding up the thing. And like, that's basically what or it was. You're like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Boogie Nights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like that. You know, I was like the glue guy too. You know, bringing the comedy because you know it, it's it was a pretty long day, and you know it gets like well, it wasn't too hot, thankfully, and it didn't rain, but it's still like madness. It's it's independent cinema, you know, like you just you never know what's going to be happening or what needs to happen or who you're going to meet, and everyone's I awesome. Genuinely, really like being specifically the boom guy, like not even <laughs> the sound recordist. Yeah, because the boom guy, there's still a tiny little bit of skill because you're there's little things like. Make sure not to be like grabbing the pole because that might make sounds mm-hmm. and make sure to be pointing the right direction and make sure to, you know, if it's windy or you got to pay attention oh, because yeah. if a if a car horn sounds right over a line of dialogue, you got to tell people that all that kind of stuff. But you're right in the middle of the action. Mm-hmm. You're watching the performances. You're part of the team. But it's not as hard work as being like a gripper, a gaffer and lifting things and running around. Mm-hmm. You're not the responsibility of a director where you really got to be focusing and answering a thousand questions. You don't got to memorize lines, but you're still there. And, and there's like this mix of ambition and laziness that I really like about being a boom operator on yeah. set. It was sweet. I, I couldn't believe I had never done it before because I'm always, people always ask me to reach tall things at the grocery store yeah. and whatnot. No, I've been <laughs> you training be for a this. boom operator. Yeah, so they're always saying that, you know? It was a really fun experience. And like, you know, I had plans later on, so I had to cut out. There was maybe like one shot left or whatever, but it was super fun. 
you know, I'm always up to, I collect experiences. That's kind of how I look at it. I'm just like, you know, in five years, I'll be like, ah, oh, man, I really should have done that. It was like, you know, just a weird little memory of doing these things. And yeah, and there's a ton of people out there who love movies yeah. and say they want to make a movie and never get around to it. And you holding a boom pole for Lee's movie yeah. is 10,000 steps closer to making a movie than so many people get. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how I, I you know, like, because I, mean, I was in a band and it was so hard getting people together to jam. And so for a while, I just played drums in my friend's band because then it's like his songs. He had to get things together. I didn't have to really worry about it. That's what this felt like. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to make movies on the weekends and all this stuff. And I just can't, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can afford to do that, to live that life, to be part of it. And, you know, and so this is kind of like the living vicariously through that where I'm like, all right, this is, we're doing this. You and, did it. Yeah, and like I don't actually have to really all do all that much. And yeah. <laughs> everybody else can stress and I'm good. So let us chat about our upcoming film starting Friday, September 3rd. As we mentioned, we have The Green Knight held over for a second week, which I'm going to see sometime in the next couple of days. I'm looking forward to that. I yeah. just want to see it because it looks like a Hellboy comic. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. Yeah, it's got a Guillermo del Toro vibe. To yeah, it. it's, it's got like it's got weapons and monsters and mm-hmm. and a fox and it looks gloomy. You know. Yeah. I know it's a little bit more highbrow, but to me, I'm like that looks like a Hellboy comic. Yeah, as long as you don't go in expecting Lord of the Rings, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not like fast-paced no like, like it's just, that's the thing most of the people who didn't like it just are like what this wasn't a wall-to-wall action you know sword and sandals epic right, or something right. like come on and so for new films we have a pair of ottawa premieres the first is the title's funny because it leads you in the wrong direction the first is the witches of the orient mm. not a horror film <laughs> uh, a really cool looking documentary about a olympic level volleyball team from japan in the 1960s who were basically monsters like just unbeatable and so this is their story and they inspired manga comics and they inspired animated tv shows and they were just super famous they were like the biggest athletes of the time in japan and i've never heard of them because i don't follow sports at all but (laughs) oh no that's my favorite kind of sports documentary or any sports documentary I don't know the ending, so it's it's still a little bit edge of my seat, you know? Like, will they win the gold medal, all that kind of stuff. Man, I even, and I do follow sports, and I'm still like, what? this is like that Lumen thing or whatever we got oh, yeah. a couple months and ago. And I heard the, the editing's really cool because it intercuts... like Animation? Animation yeah. into the games because they had this long-running TV show. So they intercut that in there. So it's, it's yeah. So it looks really cool. Man, I really want to... The poster looked cool, but now cool. Like, you've kind of hyped me up even yeah. more for it. Witches of the Orient. Our other new film this week is called Swan Song, and it's a rare kind of central starring role for legendary cult actor Udo Kier. Oh. Kier? Kier. Kier, 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 yes. Somebody mentioned that on Facebook or Twitter saying like, how come the critics said a surprising turn for him or whatever? I'm like, well, just to be fair, he's been in a hundred movies, but this might be his first starring role. Hmm. I can't remember one where he, front and center, like... Andy Warhol's Dracula. Oh, and okay. Andy, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. He started in those, like right. playing the Mad Dog. Uh, I think he played Dracula. Yeah, in Andy Warhol's Dracula. And, <laughs> yeah, those uh, movies are crazy. Flesh for Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein. He played Doctor Frankenstein. Right. Okay. So the first time since Andy Warhol movies. <laughs> so, so yeah, since like seventy one or seventy four. Yeah, or whatever yeah but I mean, since then he's just because he's appeared in American movies. He's in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Ace Ventura. Oh yeah, playing geez. the rich guy. 
Yeah, like, he just appears in movies, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just don't think about him very often. No offense. <laughs> and then he and just appears. In, uh, I'm like, And oh, he's hey. done, like, TV and stuff. Like, he's oh, done, yeah. like, lots of character stuff just in works. American movies. Yeah. It's a cool-looking movie. It's basically about him as a flamboyant old hairdresser, makeup artist guy going to make up somebody who has died. That's the movie. It's like a, a dramatic comedy about that. Like some lady who has passed away. Yeah. Does he just he, talk to the corpse of the whole movie? Or? No, I think I think the journey is okay, the movie. Good. I think him getting there is it's the like, movie. Let me tell you about my life story, <laughs> yeah. corpse. You're like, all right, this is good. So then we have, as per kind of usual, except for Green Knight being held over, two new movies and two classics this week. The first being Carrie from Brian De Palma, based off Ooh. the Stephen King novel, of course, which was from early in both of their careers. Like this was kind of Stephen King and Brian De Palma before either were Stephen King and Brian De Palma. They had both done a few things before that, but mm-hmm. this was a real breakout for both of them. And a lot of the reviews are like, this is, despite it being Carrie, is kind of one of the unsung 70s films. Brian De Palma is still De Palma for film nerds, but he didn't quite get that George Lucas Spielberg, Scorsese, De Palma kind of level mm-hmm. especially today well most of his movies were like r-rated and violent and yeah so he never you know he never made something that was like accessible to everyone i don't mm-hmm. think yeah he's doing these kind of film noir hollywood kind of hitchcock, hitchcock yeah. things yeah while his pals are doing indiana jones and star wars yeah <laughs> so it's one of those movies that looks so good in its digital restoration compared to watching it on film one of those ones you point at of, a, yeah, it'd be great if you had a mint condition film from the 70s. Mm. But if there was a film hanging around, it's probably been played a dozen times a year for the past 40 years yeah. and is not in great shape. So these kind of movies look really nice on the big screen. And if you haven't seen it before, come see it. Yeah. It's like I haven't seen it in years, so I'm looking forward to seeing it again. That was one of those movies that... I rented from the video store with a note from my parents. Oh, that's great. <laughs> this is my son can rent this and my mom gave her work number. Call me at my office. That's so that's funny. Amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Did you read the book as well? I did read the book. Oh nice. And and did, when I was in like eighth grade or something. Yeah. Man. I read all those Stephen King books when I was too young to read them. Stephen yeah. King well <laughs> Stephen King in a way is kinda of great. Like if you're a kid and you want to kind of graduate to more adult fiction, he's a good yeah. place to start because in a way like if you're at that age, young adult, and you don't want to read the YA novels, mm-hmm. like he's he is pretty good for like preteens. Yeah, many junior high kids start with reading Pet Cemetery or It or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I did, and I look back at it, and I'm like, that's why I always think ratings are so dumb. Because I could walk into the library in junior <laughs> high and grab It. Yeah. But at that age, I wouldn't have been able to go see the more recent movie it yeah and i'm like well what's the difference <laughs> man you know and the book is worse too like much worse yeah totally. content wise i was a skeleton crew fan because i'm oh, like short those. stories you know i'm like yeah. i can blow through these i'm a kid yeah i love the short stories and then our last film this week is a very fun new restoration that has come out the original hong kong cut of drunken master 2 so not Legend of Drunken Master, <laughs> which was released by that horrible human being, Harvey yeah. Weinstein, back in the 90s. And he, besides for all the horrible things he's done in yes. real life, he would cut up all these movies to kind of fit them into like 85, 90 minutes and do all these weird things. So Man. this is for the first time that this has been on the big screen in North America is this current release of Drunken Master 2, which many people say is the greatest action film of all time. 
Man, he ruined Shaolin soccer. I'll never get over that. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, ruined lots of movies, but you just reminded me of that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he ruined that. But this, I've never seen this. I mean, this, I can feel Lee coming through your words about how great it is. Like, oh, God, if Lee were here, it would just be this for 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there isn't enough time. But it's fun stuff like this. It's, again, an example of the digital restorations allowing for us to get to screen this stuff that just we wouldn't be able to track down a Hong Kong subtitled edition of Drunken Master 2 no. on film. You know, we'd have to ship it in from Hong Kong Oof. and hope for the best. Yeah, we couldn't even get Godzilla. We're not getting this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, like Godzilla was like theoretically made available to us. It would have cost like four times as much as any rental fee we've ever paid, <laughs> plus shipping a very heavy thing to and from Japan. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, or we could just screen it digitally. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a Godzilla-sized box. Like, we can't afford that. I can't imagine what it costs to ship four cans of film from Japan to Ottawa. Oof. Like sending like a little box with a couple comic books in it costs $20. Yeah. <laughs> so with, that you know. That I know, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's our four films for the week of September 3rd through the 9th. And we're working on some other cool stuff coming up. If you check out our website, a few hints of upcoming things are three Monty Python films and heck halloween's gonna be just around the corner it's funny because we keep saying that and we keep booking these halloween films in august and september so we're like just imagine what we'll have in october yeah it's gonna get crazy real fast <laughs> like i know there's some things we're thinking about but don't worry we'll have some cool stuff it's gonna be great yeah <laughs> nothing to worry about <laughs> so yeah so we'll uh wrap it up for the week Andrew and I are working, and Eric has to go. <laughs> Eric's wife is outside. Oh, God. That's why you were checking your watch. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. She was, she gave me the please hurry, and it, it was just PLS. She doesn't have time for full words, even. She's just circling the block. Yeah, yeah, very likely. Against traffic. Yeah, she's parked next to what used to be a pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out the internet, of course, to find out updates at mayfairtheater.ca and all of the various social medias. We just got put on to... Amazon Music. Oh, yeah, huge. So that's another place. If you happen to have that as your point of listening to music and podcast, we're on there now. We're pretty much on everything. We're on everything major for sure. Mm -hmm. And then if you listen to a independent one, usually that just automatically gets zapped over there anyhow. So, but now, now we're on Amazon, which I think we're one step closer to getting to go on a spaceship now. I think that's what that means. <laughs> or even $5 gift cards we'll take. Like, yeah, anything take stuff. Really. <laughs> And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about more movies coming to the Mayfair Theater. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. We can't believe we have to wait two more weeks for the new Cage movie. Cage. Like, we have the trailer and I still have to wait? This is outrageous. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. And everybody is there, even Carrie White. The girl everyone makes fun of. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. The girl with the strange power. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. She'll be voted queen of the prom. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. Carrie, a new film by Brian De Palma, based on the chilling bestseller. Carrie, from United Artists, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie.